Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity, helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times, your host, Gary Kaligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine and radio show for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. I do thank you for listening to our show today and also thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Keel application on their Apple or Android devices. We do thank AARP Louisiana neighbors, tenant country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer for being the exclusive sponsors of this radio show to provide you with beneficial information each and every Saturday morning. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn how artificial intelligence can help you get healthier, stress less, and live longer. So stay tuned to this show for some very beneficial information for you and your loved ones. It is Saturday, January the 28th, and we are broadcasting our show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept call-in questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the February issue, the best of times, in one of our 270 distribution locations. It'll be available on February the 1st. We thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. Remember, if you're unable to find a printed copy of one of our 270 distribution locations to pick up, please remember to always visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com. Do view both current and past issues of our magazine. You can listen to previously broadcast shows here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. In addition, you can view view and download the current 2022 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory. Speaking of the Senior Resource Directory, we are working on the 2023 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory, which will be distributed on March the 1st. Our friends at Earlene's Ernest Arlene's Restaurant offers the best of time special dinner each and every Thursday night from 4.30 p.m. to closing with fabulous meals at a highly discounted price of only $25. It is highly recommended due to the popularity of this Thursday night special to make reservations by calling 318-226-1325. Again, that's 318-226-1325. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You'll Listening to the best of times radio hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, probably presented by AERP Louisiana and Ebers, Tending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more best of times radio hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more best of times radio hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and Bears Towning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Kaligas, and I thank you for taking time to listen to our show today. Joining me on my radio show is a very special guest is Mr. Harry Glorikian, who is an author, podcaster, company leader, healthcare entrepreneur, and I've asked him to come on our show to discuss his very interesting book entitled The Future You. And it's how artificial intelligence can help you get healthier, stress less, and live longer. So thank you, Harry, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. 
Thank you so much for having me. Well, first of all, I'll tell my listeners, I've read his book, everyone, three times. I'm still learning things each and every time. It is very didactic. It's very detailed. It's a little high tech, but he puts it in a lot in a lot of the explanation in common lay terms. So you seniors and boomers out there, it's going to take you a little t- more time to grasp it. But it's fascinating. You're, you're going to learn about the future. You're going to learn about what's happening now, but definitely in the future. So, again, the title of the book, and you can, of course you can pick it up on Amazon and other local bookstores. The future you, and um, so one thing I want to start off the show with is you have a statement in your introduction which caught my attention. It says everything you know about healthcare is going to change. So comment about that, Harry, for our listeners out there. Yeah, I mean, so if you think about it, uh, you know, there's a lot of technology that is now uh, made available to everyone what was only available in a hospital or doctor's office. And so you can monitor your blood pressure and it communicates with your phone. You can, your weight scale will communicate with your phone. You can see the the data over a long period of time. You can do uh, an ECG, an electrocardiogram with a tiny credit card device. Put, putting your fingers on it communicates with your phone. You can check your blood sugar because you can have a continuous glucose monitor and that communicates with your phone, right? So all of these different devices are now available to help you manage your health and wellness um, as well as there's some incredible stuff that's available now to doctors or being implemented in hospitals that are just making managing patients or identifying things much easier and much quicker so that you can get better care. And and that's the thing for better care, quicker responses, hopefully better outcomes. And if you being in the healthcare field, if you diagnose something quick, early, it's much easier to treat and your outcomes are probably much better. Isn't that true? Oh, absolutely. And if you diagnose accurately, the, the chances of getting the right treatment, is much higher. Wow. Okay, one other comment, and he's got many statements in his book that are really profound, and one of the other one I thought, it caught my attention. I don't know if you catch that, Harry. I, I read books and I listen to various statements that pop out at me, and you have several, but this is one that caught, the first one, and this one, it says, your comment was that if more artificial intelligent products were known sooner and used sooner, the COVID-19 crisis pandemic could have been less of a crisis throughout the world. So comment about that one. So there, there's a number of areas that that, that plays uh, a role in. I mean, one of them was, you know, I'll give you an example. Canada was employing a way to see, um, look for these sort of pandemic or activities that were going on, which allowed them to get a, a jump on COVID and say order supplies earlier than a lot of the other hospital systems, say in the U.S., just because they were sort of in the know. Um, But other ways when it comes to managing and treating patients, so we were learning how to manage and treat patients on the fly while this (laughs) disease was, was manifesting itself, right? Right. And what we found was, well, the way we are treating them well, that's not working. We got to modify well, how we're going to treat this disease, right? And, you know, what happened was by utilizing AI to look at the electronic medical records, 
understand what's happening with these patients. You could sort of understand how certain treatment paradigms were, are working and certain treatment paradigms are not. And then one of the other things is a lot of these wearable devices, we figured out you could see disease starting before the person actually felt that they were getting sick. Uh, yes. So you think of it like, I hate saying like the frog in the pot and you're slowly turning up the heat, right? It doesn't know the heat's going up until it's too late. It's the same thing with the human body. Is We can detect physiological changes with these wearable devices before the person actually feels full-blown sick. And that's important. Even in, in COVID, Absolutely. to go to personal note, I mean, I've had it three times when I had the first time we didn't know too much about it. But my son says, Dad, do you have an O2 meter at home? No, my watch, my old Apple watch didn't have that. So he dropped one off of my house and I started checking my O2 levels. But most people didn't even think about that early in early stages. They, you know, they were admitted because they were shortness of breath, et cetera. But if that was quicker monitoring i think it, it would saved a lot of people's lives and, and a lot of a lot of worry and and uh, of course i got that device and now we're going to talk about the apple watch but you know i've had to had to get from the apple one watch i'm now up to the apple six watch or seven whatever it is my son the doctor said dad you got to get this because it has both that and many other healthcare functions and you know it's got the api we should talk about that because a lot of seniors out there don't understand that they're going to their doctor to get their AFib test, but you can have it right on your, your phone as a quick indication, correct? Yes, absolutely. So, uh, but but going back, one thing I, I was reading throughout your, your book, you have so many apps, and I will tell my listeners, that's one thing when you read the 300 pages, you're going to grasp so many current and future development apps that have AI, intelligent, et cetera. And, and I have actually downloaded and used several of them. One of them I thought fascinating was a, an app that you mentioned in there, Harry. It's called Cough VID. It identifies yes. sounds of cough, and it also has probably artificial intelligence or something that tells it possible COVID-type cough. Is that true? Yes. Wow. Yeah. That, that so- is remarkable. And, 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 you know, using sound to diagnose people is becoming a bigger and bigger space. In other words, can you tell someone is, is, is starting to develop Alzheimer's, dementia, oh, uh, yeah. you know, different disease states by their voice. Um, and that's becoming what we call another biomarker of being able to manage someone or know when, the, when disease is coming on before you really feel it. Mm, okay. So let's let's move on to some. The AI uses in medicine is ex- extremely, it's going exponentially. But those of us who have been to ICU, which I have uh, a couple of times, it is really high tech there, right? And you were saying a lot of it's there, but eventually it's going to be going to the person's home or in other institutions as well. So give us some examples of that. Yeah, so so you know when you go to an ICU, right? It's it's they're, they're, if you've been in one of them, like there's a lot of beeps and boops and bops, right? That are going off. And, oh yeah. I mean, it is just not human friendly trying to figure out what all the beeps <laughs> and the bops and the boops are, right? Um, even when you're a physician, like y- you sort of become desensitized in a way to all these sounds. Um, 
But there are systems, AI systems deployed in ICUs that will look at all those monitors and systems and can actually tell the people in the ICU, hey, that person in bed number three, that they, there's a high probability they're going to crash in the next 48 to 72 hours. Amazing. You may want to go over there and do something. And so it will warn the people in the ICU or the physician that something looks like it's trending or heading in the wrong direction before they actually notice it because there's so much data for a human to process. Now, the next stage of that is called remote patient monitoring, where a uh, physician would sign up with one of these services and the patient would automatically get a box of devices that they can then use at home. Uh, let's say they have congestive heart failure or they're diabetic. Um, and when they monitor themselves, the data automatically gets uploaded into the physician's electronic medical record. But if the data that goes up there now is out of line, in other words, it's too high or it's too low, uh, you know, the system can then kick a message to the nurse saying, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, their numbers are sort of trending out of line. You may want to give them a phone call. Or if it's really out of line, maybe the physician gets the message and now they call the, the patient directly and say, what, what, what's going on? Is everything okay? And so a physician will be able to help a patient stay more in line, keeping them healthier longer so that they don't end up in the emergency room or just get chronically worse over time. And, and tell listeners, this is happening today, but I, I've got to give you a quick story. Gary has lots of stories because I was a home health care administrator back in the 1990s. And um, though we were part of a large chain, by the way, based out of Boston, I don't know if you remember uh, Olston Health Services, uh, they were headquartered in Copley Plaza there. I used to go up there like four times a year for 15 years. Um they they asked the branches if they wanted to do some. Um, this is before smartphones. Uh, a lot of telephonic monitoring, you might say. That when the nurse yes. wasn't there, they would ask the the family member to call in blood pressure readings. They would call uh, the call in other weight factors if they couldn't come out there more frequently and we, we would collect the information if we saw a trending like you said but it was all manually it was called into the telephone and the other thing here i got to tell you we took care of a lot of wound care patients and so my nurses you know we had 900 branches came up with the idea why don't we take photographs of the instead of telling the doctor describing to the physician what's happening to the person's wound we'll actually show them and so we started doing that, and we got copied throughout the United States. Everybody copied Little Shreveport, Louisiana's idea of my nurses and my staff uh, coming up with that idea. And it was way before high technology was done. Now you can you know, instantly do that, and I'm sure the home care administrators do that as uh, well now for all home care agencies. But no, AI, and I, you got to tell listeners, AI is pretty new. It only really started off, what, in the 50s, 1956, I remember you saying in your book? It's quite, yes, it's yes. quite new. I mean, you know, well, it's, it's new and it's old, depending on who you're talking to, right? But people think like it just popped up yesterday or in the last few years. I mean, we've been working on AI for quite some time. But, the, the, you know, the exponential growth of it has really happened in the last, I'd say, you know, 
five to seven years. Yeah, we didn't have to have the big computers that took over. When I was in engineering school, it took up a whole building that had like 64K. Uh, you know, now that's like nothing. Uh, and it couldn't crunch the numbers. You had to sit there for your program to run for 24 to 48 hours for it to run. <laughs> that's yeah. what that's what happened here. It took 48 hours, and they're all on cards, uh, key punch cards. I just loved those back then. Uh, killed a lot of trees with all those cards. So give. So I, I I do want you to emphasize. I mean, I love Mr. Apple. I have a lot of Apple products, but again, some of the the the, the big guys, the Apples and the uh, and the Amazons and all these other high tech people, having all these gadgets that include. And people say, well, how does it know? Well, it has a lot of built in artificial intelligence. Isn't that right? Explain that to them. Yeah. I think my senior, my 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 senior, my myself, seniors and boomers out there probably don't get the grasp of it. They, they just know it works, but Tell them it's uh, it's a lot of technology and a lot of smartness to develop these particular apps and uh, applications. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you know, in reality, we, we keep talking about artificial intelligence, and and I keep hoping that it blends more into the background, right? Because it, it, it is a tool, right? That that you just you want the tool to just work, and so you can get on and do whatever it is that you want to do. But you know, examples of this are. If you do a Google search, right, there's a form of artificial intelligence back there. If you talk to Siri uh, <laughs> or Alexa, right, that there's a form of artificial intelligence, right, that, that's in there that's making it do that, right? Your camera, when you take your, your pictures with your iPhone and it sort of modifies the picture, right, there's a form of, of artificial intelligence. So it's everywhere. Um, it's, it, it should blend into the background and not be sort of at the forefront of everybody's mind. But what it does is it can look for patterns. It can actually do the calculations on multiple data sources and highlight something for you. Uh, it can highlight something in a MRI or a, or a CT image or an X-ray or, or a pathology uh, sample that, you know, all of a sudden it'll say, hey, doc, take a look at this, right? Or... There's one down at Geisinger um, <laughs> Health Systems down in uh, Pennsylvania where if it sees that somebody has a brain bleed, it'll actually take that uh, image and move it to the front of the line. Wow. So instead of that patient waiting, they get looked at by the radiologist immediately because, as they say, time is tissue. Um, and so you can see how these technologies can really make a difference with patient and patient care. So, so, but the other thing, tell our listeners in practical standpoints, I have uh, people that come up to me and tell me they're using various word processing processes. Gary, how does it know I misspelled the word? I said, well, it's part of artificial intelligence. Your program launches back and says it doesn't recognize the, the spelling of your, the word you're typing in there. Isn't that right? That's, that's a form of artificial intelligence. Yeah, I mean those those are those are probably the simplest forms yeah. of of artificial intelligence. Um, you know, the the real exciting ones 
<laughs> but I'm saying that's you know, a practical one. People see it. It tells you if, <laughs> to use another word instead of it. It's a great editor. I, mean, yeah. I use it all the time. And some people say, can I turn that off? Yes, you can turn that off if you really don't want it to pester you and, and tell you this is not incorrectly spelled. Why don't you use this better word, et cetera, in editing. Uh, but no, I, I agree with you. Let's hold that thought. We're going to talk more about this, the brink of the medical revolution. So we'll be right back with more information. But now I work with our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and Abear's Sending Country Rest Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and Hebert's Stunning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a very special guest. It's Mr. Harry Glorikian, who is an author, podcaster, company leader, and healthcare entrepreneur. And he's discussing his very interesting book, and I highly recommend you get it. It's called entitled The Future You. The future you talks about artificial intelligence can help you get healthier, stress less, and live longer. So thank you, Harry, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Great to be here. Thank you. So one other thing I, I you, you've talked about in your book, again, everyone, it's 300 pages of great detail, a lot of great information, and uh, it's when you read it, you can be fascinated. Uh, one thing you 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 mentioned that I think a lot of people don't know. Uh, don't know it's going to be happening it's already happening will happen in the future in the near future genetics uh, we can use genetics to change edit genes to improve a person or or decrease their risk for disease and you mentioned that several places throughout your book comment about that and i'm sure that's a little controversial but i think it's sometimes for the better well I'm, so there there's an area called precision medicine and so what we're trying to do is, let's say, God forbid, you do have cancer. We're trying to understand the genomics of that cancer tumor, right? And I like to say, like, think of it like trying to understand the personality of it so that we can understand, like, what's the best approach to deal with it. And so if I understand the genomics of that tumor, can I then draw a line to, oh, this drug actually really works the best for this particular genomic sequence, right? This biomarker that we've identified. And so instead of it being an educated guess, it's more like Google map of how to manage it. And unfortunately we don't have like drugs for every single one of these, but I would say that every day we're seeing more and more drugs that are associated with a genomic sequence that would have a better treatment effect on that patient than again guessing, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I would I would much prefer my physician use a Google app <laughs> than <laughs> than you know uh, an educated guess. And so I'm always encouraging people, you know, think about going to have your tumor sequence to uh, make sure that your treatment is better now. The flip side of that, there are now um, tests called liquid biopsies, and these are yes, available I w- now. I want um, you to mention about where so you, you you would take a tube of blood and they would do deep sequencing in there 
to see if there's an early stage cancer that you may have. And so if you think about it right now, there are only five cancers that we can screen for. This looks at 50 different cancers. Wow. And might give you that jump on it before it becomes a problem. And so, as you said earlier, when we, when we see or are able to diagnose you earlier, we're much better at treating something than when we catch it later. That's definitely true. So is this liquid, explain to people, it's, it's, uh, it's, it is an invasive, it's gonna draw blood like you get blood draws, but it's done, it's, it's given to a different research and medical institution that does the genetic testing through it? Yeah, so what happens is you, you, uh, you, know, you would go in and you'd take a tube of blood and it would go to a company, uh, one of them in particular, uh, you know, just to mention, is called Grail. Um, and then they would do the deep sequencing on it and then come back to your physician with the results. It is a physician-ordered test. Um, you know, uh, some employers and some insurers will, you know, may cover it. Um, if it, if not, and you just want to get it, I think it's nine hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, if you think about it, right? It's, it's uh, if I if I you know if I, I got actually I'm trying to convince my wife that we should just be getting these on a regular basis, um, because if you take it every year or every couple of years, you're getting a screen of fifty different cancers. And there's no other way to necessarily screen for them. Well, aren't there certain markers already that some companies, when they do your genetic screening, uh, I don't know, I can't remember, it's 23andMe does it, I did it, but I can't remember if they they did some indications. But right now there are some, some markers specifically, right? I mean, I know some, so, some breast so cancer that difference. was around many, many years ago. I'm sure it seemed more perfected now. Yeah, so, so, you know, some of the differences are what, what, um, what you can do is, you know, have certain tests on your own genetic makeup that may say you're predisposed for a particular cancer, wow. whereas the GRAIL test will actually look for those cancer markers. Wow. As, if, as, as they're manifesting themselves. And 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 I noticed in your book you compared liquid this liquid biopsy, which I was not aware of until I read your book, to standard tissue biopsy. We, we all understand what that means. Uh, they do a biopsy of the particular malignant issue and tissue and and analyze it whether or not it's it is cancerous or not, right? Yes. And a lot of that takes yes. much that, longer. That is the typical way. And that takes much longer to do, and it's a little bit more more challenging, you might say. Well, so here, think about it this way. So if you're actually sampling the tissue, it means the cancer is already there. Oh, right? yeah. I can see it. I can image it. Liquid biopsy is looking for the early signs of it floating around in your blood so that you can actually get ahead of it. Right? Okay. So if you think about cancers like pancreatic cancer or ovarian cancer, you don't see that usually until the very end. Hmm. And if you had a liquid biopsy, could you see those right at the early stages of them starting? If you did, we have a much higher probability of being able to treat that than if I catch it in stage four when it's already taken hold. Uh, that is quite fascinating. One one topic I want to talk to you. I've had several of my uh, listeners who knew that you were going to be on the show, and I and happenstance, you would not believe this, we were talking about Star Trek and the tricorder. And I said, 
I'm going to ask Mr. Harry because he talks about it in his book, and I told him that there is a there there is is it still currently there there was a challenge by uh, a company uh, X Prize Foundation to award it to somebody to develop such uh, contraption that was like in Star Trek. Is that not that true? Yes. So there's been there's been many attempts over time to. Um, create a tricorder, (laughs) right? And and create something that lets you do something sort of instantaneously right there. Um, And there have been some companies that have sort of won the X Prize. You know, again, commercializing these things are a whole other um, hurdle. Uh, You know, it's one thing to create something that works, but it's another thing to, you know, Bring it to practical use. Does the world use. want it? It's not going to cost. Yes. Does the world want it? You, will they use it? Yeah. Will it cost you a hundred thousand dollars for that tricorder? Right. That another other thing. Price yeah. factor as well. Well, yeah. and and you know you got to convince the doctors. Like, okay, how are you going to use this? What are you going to do with it? Like, what? It, 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 there are hurdles to get over to see something come to market. Um, but you know, I can see. Like with liquid biopsy, could you imagine going once a year to the doc, you give your tube of blood, it screens you for all these cancers. You know, I always tell people, I'm like, one of these days, you know, we're going to actually like, people are going to be joking. They're going to say, yeah, that cancer thing, it's a bygone thing because we're catching them so early, we can nip them in the butt. Oh, it'll be a great day, great day. But my friends and I were talking about this, and I said, yeah, and they said, really? And then I said, you know, really, our smartphones are like a first generation of this uh, super-duper tricorder because it does help in, you know, making a lot of those medical decisions and finding things. I was showing them my phone with the AFib and the health and the uh, the pulse and a lot of them, you know, just have their regular Rolex watches. It does nothing. But I said, hey, I got rid of mine. I have my uh, Apple Watch. It does more things than what your Rolex watch will do. So we were, we were joking about that. Uh, well, you know, go ahead. like you said, though, you know, these technologies. So you wouldn't drive your car if you didn't have a dashboard, would you? No. Okay. Right. When 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 do I need to fill it with gas? What's going on with my oil? Is it, you know, is it, do I need antifreeze? Yeah. Right. Well, I'm driving this vehicle, right, that I'm occupying (laughs) all day long, every day. Right. And so these new technologies allow me to have my own personal dashboard that can help me understand maybe I didn't sleep well last night. Maybe I'm starting to run a fever. Maybe my heart has an arrhythmia that I would have never found had I not been wearing one of these things. Right. No. Uh, maybe it'll tell me, Harry, push your workout today because, man, you really got some great sleep last night. Yeah. In or your, the opposite. In your book, you talked about some people having APIB. They didn't know it until they had the Apple Watch. So Mr. Apple loved those kind of recommendations, I'm sure. But they, I've had it happen. I know in, in, locally several people have told me they were so thankful their son bought them the Apple Watch because it determined something that – uh, they hadn't gone to their physician in a long time, and sure enough, it did fine, and uh, they're being treated for it. So it's amazing, amazing how that happened. One one other aspect, his book, everyone, talks about so many different areas, and one of them, I love it because it says, uh, uh, he talks about how can, how can you make yourself fitter, leaner, and less stressed by using AI. So tell our listeners about that. I thought it was fascinating. Well, there, there you know, there are multiple 
avenues that that sort of lend itself to that. Like I, I find that if I don't get a good night's sleep, I'm sort of cranky the next day, right? I'm not <laughs> working at my optimal level. So these apps will sort of identify, like how did you sleep? How much deep sleep did you get, et cetera? They're not as accurate, let's say, as if you had a sleep study in a, in a hospital, uh, but directionally they're correct. And so it helps me figure out how to optimize my sleep so that, you know, my numbers say end up in the green as opposed to the red. Um, and I can tell things like, you know, when I have that glass of wine late at night, I'm, oh. I know I'm going to blow up my deep sleep, right? <laughs> um, or certain health apps that will then tell me, hey, don't work out as hard today because you're really not going to get the benefit that you want to get out of it because wow. you're tired, right? That's amazing, um, yes. And so... Or, or my CGM, actually, I'm wearing one, I'm wearing a new one right now, a continuous glucose monitor, right? And okay. I am not diabetic, wow. but I'm wearing a CGM. And so what I'm doing is I'm able to eat foods, uh, scan the CGM, see how those foods are spiking my glucose, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, is it staying up? Is it coming down? Is there certain foods that I should probably stay away from? And then the AI is learning what types of foods and so forth. And it, and then even when I stop using the CGM, the AI knows what foods are gonna cause me certain problems and can make suggestions of alternative foods so that I don't have to maybe give up something that I like totally. So that's for health as well as for dieting purposes, correct? Well, dieting, health, but you know, there's there are a ton of people that are pre-diabetic. True. That just don't know it. And so these CGMs are a way for them to get a window of what's going on inside and help them adjust their diet so that they can either, you know, push off that diabetes or maybe avoid it all, you know, completely. But the information is power. And if you had a family history of diabetes, you possibly will be possibly could get that, right? There's more in indication if you have a history of, so that, that CGM, it would be a good, so explain to our listeners again about that and how they can probably Google that and find out if they need to get one or ask their physician or other one. They are a little invasive, right? They, they You have a stick that sticks into you, correct? Am I right? It, it, it's, yeah, but it's, it's. I mean, I've, I've done it a number of times now, and I mean, you little, you push the, the plunger and you don't even feel it. Oh. Um because the the way the plunger sort of almost the way that it impacts your arm, you, the the nerves get overloaded with the impact. It's it's a slight like tap, but while it's providing that slight tap, it's inserting the little uh, uh, needle so that it can you know look at the interstitial fluid and tell mm -hmm. you what's going on, but. I don't even feel it. I forget it's wow. there most of the time. I mean, wow. if I'm toweling myself off after a shower, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> this thing is on my this thing is on my arm. So um, in the, so you're going to give a scoop in the future. I'm sure Mr. Apple, Mr. Amazon, all those people are trying to build that into the watch to just prick you a little bit and determine that. Probably in the future, is that going to well, happen? Well, there's you know there's been a lot of uh, work on uh, what's called non-invasive glucose monitoring. In other words. Yeah. trying to look through the skin without puncturing it to see how things are going. Um, I mean, this has been going on for a long time. Um, I keep hoping to see, you know, the breakthrough 
when it comes. I, I might guess that the next thing that they're going to try to put on the Apple Watch might be blood pressure Good. before it's glucose monitoring. But, I mean, essentially, you know, if you think about the few devices that you need at home, most of the stuff that you would go to the doctor and they check on a regular basis, you can have it sitting on your desk at home or your kitchen table. That is true. That is true. We'll hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, Sunday Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana Neighbors, Tending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a special guest. It's Mr. Harry Glorikian, who is an author, podcaster, company leader, healthcare entrepreneur, and he's discussing his very interesting book, The Future You. I highly recommend you get it. It's available on Amazon. Again, The Future You. He talks about artificial intelligence can help you get healthier, Stress less and live longer. So thank you, Mr. Harry, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thank you so much for having me. One thing, I, I um, Gary gets to travel a lot, and I met with some uh, people on the airplane. Gary talks to people on the airplane if you do that, but uh, my wife hates it that I always meet somebody new when I'm in the plane. And so I was talking to this young person, probably your age or younger, uh, going to Portugal. And he, I said, what are you going there for? You know, Gary just pops a question. He says, well, I'm going to go uh, monitor our clinical trials that we're doing in Portugal. And I said, well, that is fantastic. He says, yeah, you in America takes forever to do clinical trials. He says, we in Europe, we know how to get them done, get them done quickly, and get them on the market to people to make benefits. So I said, well, that, you know, I have no say-so in that, but I definitely agree. It takes a little while for us to do it in, in the States compared to you over there overseas but he went on and on to say that you know that you have so much bureaucracy and so much monitoring that you know you're going to may have a slight out bad outcome but it's you're not benefiting anybody if it hadn't got to the market yet so any comments about that and tell us how ai is going to be helping in clinical trials so i'm 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 surprised you know i know that it's you know, try to be a little bit more streamlined and approve a little bit faster, but I'm not, I, I, I don't know the exact timing between a European trial and a, and a U.S. trial as far as like if it's going to go faster or shorter. Um, but I can tell you that from a AI perspective, there are so many places that it's sort of helping move um, drug discovery. In other words, finding a new molecule uh, that you want to use to move forward. I mean, that's moving at light speed. I'm actually giving a talk on that on Thursday to a group to uh, clinical trials where, you know, um, how do I test those patients? In other words, do I have to have them come into a center or maybe now with all these new technologies and these wearables, can I test people while they're at home? because I can get the data that comes in. Or there is this whole area called a digital twin. Um, So if you think about it, right, can I build a digital replica of the real thing and test it out? So, 
you you know you see a lot of this in say airplane engines and other things like that where you build a digital representation of the real thing and then you can pull and push on it to see how it reacts well we're now able to do that with you know human patients take their data create a digital twin and submit it to the FDA as if it were a real person wow so if you had, let's say, you needed 100 people to start the trial, well, you've only recruited 80. Well, can we throw in 20 digital twins <laughs> and get to the 100 that the FDA wants? Well, the FDA is accepting digital twins as part of a trial. So now you're seeing how these technologies uh, are really helping move the field forward faster. Well, I'm happy for that. I'm, I'm glad. I mean, we we have to do the test, and we just can't just invent something and come up with something and not have a trial to make sure. And you, I've, I've been many, uh, I've been part of many clinical trials in the past, and you know, have the placebo and have the real stuff. And I mean, you, it's it's important. And people say, "Well, I wish I had the real stuff." I say, "Well, you never know. Nobody knows until the end of the session." So you, you know, it's that that kind of scenario. Uh, I've, I've got so many things in our short time here. I'd love to have you on my show again. But one topic that I thought was really fascinating, and everybody's talking about it because they see all these science fiction movies, is, is robots going to be taking over the healthcare field like they about to take over everything else? Um, I have a hard time seeing, <laughs> you know, the, somebody take the place of the doctor, right, because that human interaction is so critical. But there are places where robotic systems, you know, can really help and move the needle. Uh, and some of them will be in, in areas like uh, there's a, a robot called Moxie, which interacts with uh, children that have, say, autism and helps them learn how to socialize. Oh. So, and this is not like Siri or Alexa, where you have to constantly say, hey, Siri, or hey, Alexa. Right. So this thing carries on a full-blown conversation. Um, and I have played with it, and I keep telling the CEO, I'm like, I want one of these on my desk. <laughs> like, it's so cool. Um, right? So that would be one example of, of that technology. And and they've designed it, so I think it's, it's about $1,000. And for what it does at that price point is just, Amazing. Yes. Or imagine you're wearing your wearable and you wake up in the morning and your Alexa or your Siri says, you didn't sleep well last night. Is everything okay? Or your heart rate was up. Um, have you taken your meds? Right? So you can see how these things that you might be wearing or taking measurements on, plus the device that's sitting on your desk, can now interact with you in a way to help you stay like, healthier like or being, be aware of certain things. Or like being part of the family there, like being your consultant or your grandmother, your grandfather. They're giving you good advice, but valid advice uh, as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and objective advice, right? That as opposed does. to being, you know, judgmental or anything. Good good point. Good point. Um, in, in closing, I've got one more one more topic here. I hope it doesn't last long. I found another fascinating chapter is you're saying in the near future, and probably it's already happening, replacement parts from our body will be developed by 3D printers. Wow. Yeah, well, some some of that is, is being done where where you're, you know, it, if it's easy to get the blood to the tissue, we can sort of 3D print different, you know, aspects and then utilize them. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of work going on in, you know, in veins and arteries and things of that nature that are moving forward. Um, you know, people are trying to do kidneys. Uh, it's much harder. Um, although, you know, every day we're getting better and better at it. Um, I think one, though, one topic that I think your listeners might find interesting would be uh, using uh, gene editing to actually wipe out the disease you have completely. In other words, you don't have to stay on the medication. You get one shot and, you know, technically you're cured. Wow. That's that's going to be fascinating. And it's happening now or is it going to be in the future? Isn't that called the CRISPR? No, no, no. Ha- happening now. Happening now, wow. CRISPRs. Wow. You know. That's totally amazing. Well, I'd love to have you longer. we got to close our show. Again, thank you for coming. I hope to have you back on my show to continue discussing this, discussing these particular items about AI. You were fascinating. Again, everybody, his book is called The Future You, and hope you pick it up at Amazon or other, other local bookstores. Thank you for joining us today. And, again, best wishes to you and best luck on your in the future and helping us be educated on what's happening now and in the future. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day, Harry. Everyone, thank you for listening to our show. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy of The Best of Times at one of our 270 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Caligas, wishing you and yours the best of times, both today and every day. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 9 a.m. for more Best of Times. This is 1017 FM and 710 Keel.